Wow, sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> hey, it, it is what it is. Ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> uh, my name is Dr. Hong Trung Lee. Welcome to another chiropractic coffee, this time with Dr. Jenna Kaiken. I, I said you <laughs> right. Okay, cheers. <laughs> oh, my God. So today, Dr. Jenna and I, well, Jenna, you can first introduce yourself and then we'll get started. My (laughs) name is Dr. Jenna Kaiken. I think we officially met like 2000, do we meet before or after COVID? After COVID, for sure. After COVID, we met, I'm pretty sure at Cervical Chair Pelvic Bench um, seminar. Um, and that was pre me starting my clinic. I just opened up my own uh, Gonstead chiropractic clinic here in St. Paul, Minnesota called the Spinery back in May of 2023. So I am in like the baby stages of being a business owner. Otherwise, before that, I worked for four years with my father, Dr. Paul Kaiken, who's also a Gonstead chiropractor in Northern Minnesota. So to say, you know, at least I have been surrounded by Gonstead chiropractic since baby on. <laughs> And we also have a really close family friend that also is a Gonset chiropractor that practices in Aiken where my dad's at. So it's kind of all I've ever known. And I did try to stray away from it and just explore my options when I was in school just because the resources were there. Um, and I kept coming back to it. And that's just how fate works because then I met you, HJ. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the first time I met Jenna, I was starstruck. <laughs> um i had i had followed you on instagram first because you posted a video and i was like oh my gosh it's another asian chiropractor but also because jenna posted a video of herself and she has one appendage missing (laughs) yes i don't know how how better way to say it (laughs) Um, which you were born with one hand, yes. correct? Yes. Yep, yeah. Yep. And so one of my friends, it was Marley actually that pointed you oh. out to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Marley Coleman down in St. Louis, Missouri area. And she's like, hey, look at this chiropractor. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, she's Asian. She's Gonset. Oh my God. She only has one hand. Oh, she's so cool. <laughs> I, I remember that seminar because I had to laugh so hard because, like, Marley came up to me and introduced herself, and she's like, oh, my gosh, my friend HJ and Toya are going to want to meet you. And then I remember you coming up to me and just, like, this big smile on your face and just going, and she's like, this high-pitched note. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up? And I'm, like, around, like, am I safe? What's happening right now? <laughs> Thank you for accepting me as I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you for accepting me as I am, because I'm not going to lie. Um, when I first started doing like seminars, you know, more often, like not just God instead, but you know, I, I tried a few other approaches to like emotion palpation seminar. Um, a couple of those, like, I feel like a lot of instructors are very hesitant to work with me. Um, I think mostly because it's kind of like, how do we approach her? How can we assist her type attitudes? So I was not used to being approached at seminars, so that's why I was like, why Why are these people talking to me? And, like, Marley introduced herself to me. I was just like, wait, are you talking to me? Or, like, 
It was definitely a cervical chair. We were oh. going And I remember I saw you and you were talking to Dr. Nick Meyer. And I was like, are you Jenna? Dr. Jenna? She's like, yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> you want something just, it's just so crazy to think about, though, because I had a few people that have, like, reached out and have been so supportive and kind and just like, you know, you're so inspirational. It's so cool to see someone with, uh, you know, essentially a disability, um, adjusting and being a doctor and whatnot. And they're like, why weren't you posting like your journey through chiropractic school? And I was like, because I was told in chiropractic school, I was too handicapped to be there. Like the Northwestern did not want me. And so I never saw my journey of being value at all. I just didn't think about it. The only reason I posted those videos at the time was because I had taken them to apply for a couple of clinics out West before I decided to stay in Minnesota. So it by no means was like trying to like accumulate views and followers. It was just me posting. And so, yeah, when all of a sudden I started getting all these followers and all these comments and stuff, I was like, what the heck? I'm like, it it just, it's just me. I'm just... (laughs) It's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's start off with that. Like, tell us about your journey through chiropractic school, because I feel that it's good to just reiterate for especially the students right now who are in the thick and thin of it all of, yeah, it's hard, but don't be discouraged because like, if it was easy, it would be meant for everyone. And even... I don't know, just tell us your story, because I feel, like, it's one, it's unique, mm-hmm. and then two, like, you definitely had, to, I'm sure you had to modify some things going through chiropractic school when it came to your oh, adjustment yeah. as well, and yeah. it's just definitely, if Dr. Jenna Kiken, not trying to, like, you know, say that we're friends, so I, I can say this. Not saying, like, just because you're a handicapped, like, it was a lot harder, but, like, if, De- if Dr. Jenna Kaiken can get through chiropractic school, then us people with two hands can get through chiropractic school. Oh, my God. You but, are so funny. But, no, it was definitely, when I first saw you, I was, like, you're an inspiration because, one, mm-hmm. cervical chair is one of the harder techniques. Yes. the Gonset system. Yes. And, like, you just kept going out what you were doing and like seeing your videos that you posted, honestly, like mm-hmm. that kept me motivated to like want to do yeah. better. There's this girl out here. Like she's not complaining that she has one hand. She's still doing the thing. And I'm over here bitching because I have two hands and I can't even move a C5. <laughs> Which is so crazy. But because to put it into perspective, when people first started telling me that, such an inspiration now i feel like i have no excuse because i have two hands and yet i'm not you know i'm not able to get like my piex right hip or i'm not able to get this like specific like cervical you know neck adjustment like what's my excuse but like at the same time too when i was going through chiropractic school um my class i mean i had some extraordinary people that i would you know have the same perspective towards them i'm like you're a single parent and you have like five zillion kids and you're coming here every day for like eight hours and you're working a part-time job i'm like you're the inspiration like I can't imagine trying to like balance all that so Mm -hmm. I definitely have like a huge like 
like kind of like you fangirl to me i fangirl to some of like my like especially like some of my female friends that i knew that i'm like you are doing the dang thing with being a parent with having a full a half a part-time job and being here and passing your classes and doing your exams like that's crazy like i i can't even handle my own stuff i'm like and you're like taking care of like other people and i can't even take care of myself <laughs> um but I think the huge thing for me was uh, being raised in a family that my parents and my my two older brothers' mindset was, you're not handicapped. We're not going to treat you handicapped. You're going to continue to do, you know, everything that your, your two older brothers do. So I think that was really huge. And soon after I was adopted, my parents started taking me to Shriners Children's Hospital, where I got fitted for my first prosthetic arm. So... I think like at one year of age, I already had a prosthetic and was learning how to pick things up, um, you know, be able to push, pull, grab things and just, you know, use it as a tool versus there were, you know, other amputee kids I knew that didn't really use prosthetics and just, you know, kind of heavily relied on assistance from their family um, to do most things. So I think that was huge. Um, and I, you know, my parents put me in piano lessons um, I was on the dance team. I mean, I just did a lot of things that other two-handed kids did. So I think that really helped set me up for success. No, so that's awesome. it, yeah. So then when it finally came to starting to think about, okay, what do I want to do after high school? I was very much like, I want to be an athletic trainer. Like I admire um, Melinda, who was our athletic trainer at Aiken High School, where I went to school. And my dad was like, like, are you sure <laughs> Like, are you sure you really could do everything you wanted with just being an athletic trainer? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it seems really cool. I get to work with athletes, blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, no, like, he was just there, like, not being, like, aggressively, like, you need to go do chiropractic. But he was, like, definitely planting some seeds of thought for me, which was nice. And then finally, I was like, okay, let's do chiropractic. So I had already kind of figured this out, um, like, my junior, senior year of high school, and so I started doing those like post-secondary classes to try and start doing my credits towards my prereqs. Um, I applied for Northwestern in the fall of 2000, or I, sorry, um, I applied the summer before the fall of 2012. And um, I did the application just like everyone else, filled it out. There was a portion that talked about um, having any handicap or disabilities. Oh no. Oh, are you still there, HJ? Oh my gosh. Okay. It didn't disconnect Did for you, so you Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> continue, continue. Okay. I don't know. It didn't record everything. I'm so sorry. I'm pretty sure we got that still because it says it was still recording. So we're good. Okay. But yeah, continue, okay. continue. Okay. So I'm back. filled out the application. I distinctly remember putting, like, asking my father, I'm like, should I, like, list that I'm missing a hand, wear a prosthetic, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, put that on the application. So I did. I filled out Northwestern's application, said I am a congenital amputee. I wear a prosthetic. If you want to meet beforehand to discuss any concerns, I am open to that sent in my application and I was accepted to Northwestern for the fall of 2012. And that was a joke because they do not look at their applications, I guess, because after two weeks of being there, it was the most uncomfortable two weeks of my life. I had students, faculty pointing, staring, whispering at me. Um, and finally about two weeks in the Dean of the college at the time, Dr. Uh, DeBreeze, I think her name was, called me up to my off or her office and was like, we need to talk. And I was like, what's this about? And she's like, I'm not 
I mean, I can't discuss that with you until we meet later this afternoon. So I went up there. I'm only 20 years old at the time, by the way. So I'm like super naive, very innocent, have no it's idea what to do. Scared, nervous. Yeah. And by the time I walked into her office, I instantly was slapped with, are you trying to sue us? Is this like a publicity stunt? Like, why are you here? And I was like, because no. I, want to be, I want to be a chiropractor. I'm like, I want to follow in my dad's footsteps. I want to get that piece of paper, just like everyone else with those two letters, DC at the end. Like, I want to help people. And it was kind of like a good enough answer at the time. But like, she was very, I think, unsteady with me being there. So it did lead to us or my father actually having to come down twice to Northwestern to sit in um, two different meetings with the board. And it kind of got nasty. Like I said, they blatantly told my father, your daughter is too handicapped to be taught chiropractic here. There's no room for her here. And that's when we pretty much had to counter with, we will involve the ADA. We will involve Shriners. We will involve a legal team. Yeah. Um, because this is discrimination. This, yeah, that's just, that's blatantly yeah, discrimination. Yeah, blatantly discrimination. And um, it, it it got nasty. So a lot of people are like, well, why why didn't you take off and go to another school and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, at the time I was young, I enjoyed being, you know, somewhat close to my parents, you know, having my father as a mentor. And, you know, it's just that what if, if I'm already in the system here, I've already gotten everything set up with financial aid and whatnot you know, who can guarantee me that this isn't going to happen or not happen again at another chiropractic school. So the saving grace is there's definitely faculty members that supported me. They instantly were like, Hey, I've had this experience with like an amputee before. I'm excited to try and help you figure out adjustments and stuff. And of course there were still some icky faculty that just tried to make it super difficult for me every step of the way. Um, especially when it came time to start talking about, part four board exam where, you know, you do show the setups and whatnot. Um, there was definitely a couple of professors that were like, oh, you'll have to do this and this and this. And, you know, the likeliness of you being able to show that or being able, being able to pass the exams pretty like minimal. Like, we just don't know if this is really good fit for you. So it was never like a blatant, like, you shouldn't be here, but like kind of rude comments, passive aggressive. And then I, I had a couple of students too, that would just like blatantly come up to me and they're like, yeah, chiropractic's two hands, and, like, you only have one, so I, yeah, I don't really think it makes sense for you to be here, which I was like, whoa. Well, yeah, I have people. one to give you a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> people, people were, yeah, very rude, so, you know, as much as I have some ill feelings towards Northwestern, um, you know, now that I've gotten older, now that I've been in practice for like five, six years, I reflect back and it's like, it was really just certain people. I still had some amazing uh, professors and um, an amazing counselor on staff there that helped me through so much with just getting through everyday courses, um, you know, dealing with my test anxiety and then just like planning for uh, national boards because one of the things that I had asked Dr. DeVries, the dean of the chiropractic college, after we kind of mended, you know, the fact that I wasn't trying to be a publicity stunt, was <laughs> who who has already done this? Who has already, you know, been missing a hand or a part of a limb and gone through all four parts of the national boards, passed, and is a successful chiropractor? And she's like, okay, let me do some research. And she got back to me, I don't know, a few days, week, week or two later. And she's like, no one. 
She's like, I've scanned, I've contacted, I've emailed, I've called. Um, you're the first one to my knowledge. And so then when I contacted the national boards for chiropractic examiners, um, I asked them and I said, okay, so how, how does this work? Cause I said, the Dean in my chiropractic college doesn't think anyone else has done this yet. I find that really hard to believe. Um, have you guys experienced this, this before? And they're like, no. So we need to devise a plan and start talking through how we're going to implement this. So, um, that was pretty wild. And again, that's, you know, people are always just like, that's so crazy. Like you're the first. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, but this lady over here next to me in the auditorium taking notes, like she has like four kids and she's like a single parent and she works a part-time job. I can't wake up on time to be, you know, on time for my first class. Like, I don't know why you're impressed with me. <laughs> I'm like, I ride that struggle bus every day. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's insane yeah so well yeah so it's like not you know not to say that my journey through chiropractic school was any worse than anyone else's because i know how many trials some of my close friends and just classmates went through um but you know at the same time too it was just like holy cow like i'm just trying to you know pass exams i'm just trying to get assignments in i'm trying to pass my labs and it's like cool now i have to go down to the counselor and talk with her and then contact the national board today and sit for like a half hour and talk with them about, you know, my first board exam, which I'm just like, I don't have the time for this. I need to be studying. I can't what believe. What is histology? I can't what believe. is biochem? Oh my gosh, really though. But the fact that you had already gone, by the time it was part four, that's when they were like more of, is this even possible? I was like, how are you going to tell a student Oh, you just got through two thirds of chiropractic school and now oh. you have to take your last board exam and they're like, Oh, it may not even be possible. That was yeah, that was just some of the icky professors that I dealt with. Um, I had some really cool professors. Um, and like I said, the uh, counselor on staff, her name was Becky Lawyer. I don't know if she's still there. She was mm -hmm. amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, from the minute I met her, it was like, Okay, this is who we have to contact, this is who you'll talk to. Um, I've talked to these professors, they really want to work with you. So that was huge. Um, just because again, I was 20. Most of my classmates were like mid to late twenties. I mean, even beyond that. So I was just like, definitely like deer in the headlights. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I haven't, yeah, I feel like I haven't seen enough of the world yet. So in some ways I kind of wish I had waited like another year before I started chiropractic school, but I had gotten my post-secondary, you know, classes going and my prereqs were just done in like two years at community college. So it was kind of like, what else would I do in the meantime? Go ice fishing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. It's like, it's it's it looks like spring here. It's it's, <laughs> it's terrible. This is you know, if, if anyone's considering moving to Minnesota, um, you could definitely do it right now. There is like no snow or ice on the ground right now. It's the weirdest winter. <laughs> it oh, is so weird. Wow. Oh my gosh! Thank you. I don't think you really shared that side of the story with me, at least at all ever like since we've known each other okay. yeah because i know school is definitely there was a lot of trial and errors yeah. and all that and you had to go through you had to jump through a lot of hoops yeah. and i um, and it, you know like i said i my first semester let's see here starting fall of 2012 i definitely fell back because i had to retake some classes um i also 
was dismissed academically because I had failed too many classes and then I restarted the fall of 2015. So especially for those students that are going through those trials of not passing classes that maybe have been in the same shoes as me, like it's not end game. I had a lot of people, you know, ask me like, are you sure chiropractic school is for you? Like, you know, you, you were dismissed once, you know, you failed a couple classes, like maybe this isn't it. And I'm like, no, this is it. I just need to figure out how to redirect my focus, figure out what to implement differently this time. And for me, a huge part too, is at the time, you know, I was young, I was in a very unhealthy, toxic relationship. Um, and just battling the school was not great mentally. We're trying to get through these courses. Um, you know, these, are, these are tough courses. That's, you know, they, that's, they do it on purpose. They definitely try and I feel like to weed out, you know, those students, those first, you know, trimester or two or semester, depending on what school you go to. So it's definitely don't beat yourself up. It took me, it took me a hot second to get through school. <laughs> a hot second. I love it. It did. It did. <laughs> my, my mother even was like, um, are you sure? Like you're racking up a lot of debt. I'm like, I know I can do it, mom. As long as you believe in yourself, you can get the next one. Yeah, no, because there are people that students that think like once you fail something, it is end game for them. But mm -hmm. it, it's like, no, it's not. You just got to keep on trucking. Like, um, I remember going through school in biochem. Oh, I. Oh, my goodness. I literally thought I was going to fail my first year in chiropractic. Was it my first? No, it was my second trimester. I thought I was going to, yeah, basically fail my first year in Cairo school. And I was just mentally preparing. And then, like, I did it. But then when it came to boards, I did fail a couple sections. And so, of course, that yep. was disappointing because people talk. And, like, people are like, yeah, we won't talk about our scores. We won't talk about board ball. Mm -hmm. No, they're liars. If you're saying that during board exams, you're a liar. And I'm calling you out <laughs> your bullshit right now. Because people talk, I know you're going to talk, because you're always going to tell your friends, and I'm sorry, but your friends are also yeah. going to talk too, but, um, and it's not because they're trying to be malicious, it's just people talk, and, um, and I think that's just a way for people to cope too, because it's like, boards are stressful, school is just well, stressful, and so. And it's so interesting too, because it was just Northwestern's homecoming this past weekend, so I was watching that webinar style, and one of my old professors actually said, He's like, one of the best things I can re recommend to you docs that have kids, let your kids fail. They will come back that much stronger, knowledgeable, more humble. They're going to be able to, you know, assess the situation differently and figure out how to fix it. Um, and it's going to make them a better person. And, you know, I, that's not the first time I've heard that we have. My family has a good friend who's an entrepreneur. She has started up so many businesses. Um, she even has an orphanage in Uganda that she's constantly raising money for. She's an incredible woman, but she's like, I would rather uh, hire someone that I know has failed repeatedly than hire someone that has had, you know, the perfect grades, you know, all these degrees and whatnot. They're, she's like, struggle and failing is one of the best things to round out a person. Yeah, yeah. No, and I remember failing a couple of my um board sections and thinking that was going to be the end of like if i, can, if I can't even because you know how tired your parents are like uh -huh. like i'm sure paul was like a lot easier than you because your dad is just the sweetest man ever oh my god <laughs> jenna's dad dr paul amazing guy amazing guy love the guy to death <laughs> anyways um like i thought i was like i failed 
physio and I failed um what was the other one? There was one other section that I failed. I can't remember it. Like that just shows you how I it's like passed now. But yeah. I thought that was Ed because they make it seem like that if you can't even fail on the first try, you're gonna be the worst chiropractor out there. Oh, as shit. in like and, yeah. and that's completely not true. Like mm-hmm. no, and, oh gosh, no. Yeah. Um I the only board exam I passed the first time through was part four. And I think that just goes to show I am much better just being able to do an oral exam, being able to explain myself, talk through my thought process and show you what I want to do versus me sitting and having the worst test anxiety of my life. Um, I had to retake part one, two and part three exams, I think either two or three times each. Mm -hmm. Um, just because for me, when I sit down and I, you know, flip that first page open, my mind is blank. It is like a snowstorm. It's like a blizzard. It's just white. And there's like nothing happening. And I'm just like, oh my God. Kind of blacks out during the exam. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. And so that, you know, that was something that again, heavily, I relied on, you know, working with my counselor, Becky lawyer at the school and just like studying and studying and studying. So while most people... I feel like could like study for like two, three hours after school each day. I was the person in the library from like the time I got out of like lecture at like five until like 11 o'clock at night. I had to, it just like paper and pencil test. I hate, I absolutely hate. Um, and I know some people probably, you know, watch this or listen to this and say, well, then she's probably a crap chiropractor. Um, no, <laughs> but, but there are those people. There are those people that are like, Wait, you didn't so then if any of you are listening to this and think that right now, based on what Dr. Jenna said, <laughs> get you that out of your head right now. We talked about that. Like people talked, people talked yeah. such smack in Cairo school. Um, and I reflect back, I look, you know, I look at some of my classmates that I know were like the, you know, typical type A, all A, you know, 4.0 GPA type students. And I've seen them in practice. I was adjusted by them, you know, later, right before we graduated. And oftentimes I was like, eh, I, I'd rather go to someone, you know, like me that, you know, failed a couple times. That's really good common sense wise. Um, and that's not to say that every type A person that's, you know, 4.0 GPA isn't a great chiropractor. But a lot of those students were just so over analytical. They lost the ability to just feel. I mean, when's the last time you touched a patient and just felt their breath, felt how they responded to your touch and adjusted them versus being like, okay, well, this is my contact. This is A and that's contact B. And now I'm going to do this line of drive. And you know, you're so robotic and those patients can feel that. So oftentimes students reach out and they're like, what am I doing wrong? And like my adjusting videos when I'm assessing them, I'm like, girl, when's the last time you took a breath? I, you literally have been holding your breath from the start of this video, like three minutes ago, like, Breathe, feel, close your eyes. Tell me what the patient is doing in that moment. When yeah. is the last time you just felt? Oh my gosh, that is such great advice because I definitely know during cervical chair, I'm sure people feel it oh. when I'm just like, <gasps> let's go. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I caught myself the other day. It was so bad. I like was like shoulders up and I was like, why does this feel so unnatural? Then I'm like, oh my God, like my ear, my earlobe is touching my shoulder right now. I'm like, girl, you gotta chill. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, but, it's, it's such great advice. Seriously. Like I haven't, I haven't heard that in a while. So. 
Well, Thank you. when I was yeah, when I was um, back up in my hometown working for dad for those four years, I got back into coaching dance team. And one of the things we consistently see the dancers do is while they were you know practicing skills, you know performing whatever, they would hold their breath. And I'm like, girl, you gotta breathe. Like, you cannot be performing these actions, these exercises, whatnot, and hold your breath. It is going to make you screw up. You have to breathe. I think chiropractic, us adjusting is a very athletic thing. So I don't, I don't see the difference between watching a football player, a dancer, a volleyball player versus us adjusting. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so all you Cairo students out there, you listening to this, take a breath. <laughs> I wish I heard that advice when I was going through chiropractic school. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was holding my breath the entire time in the two Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And then it also explains why, like, wow, I had a lot of headaches during chiropractic school. Definitely wasn't getting enough sleep either. But, like, compounded with all that, not breathing, not drinking enough water, like, no wonder I was struggling. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Dr. Jenna also has, she, you opened up the spinery back in May of 2023, you said, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so how long were you working with your dad? And then, like, you decided it was time, like, to, like, finally... Um, so, (laughs) I graduated, um, I graduated November of 2018, and then immediately Mm -hmm. hopped into practice with Dad, January 2019. And Mm -hmm. my, my plan was to work for two years with Dad, just because, at the time, I had a feeling I did not want to take over his practice, and I can explain that, too, in a second here. Um, but I really wanted to work with him. He has mm-hmm. been my longtime supporter, mentor, cheerleader, et cetera. Um, and I knew it would be a value to be able to work with him for at least two years. So by the end of those two years, um, or, you know, coming up on two years, I was like, I kind of want to go out west. Like, I've always liked the idea of the PNW, like, you know, Portland, Seattle, all that mm-hmm. jazz. And I had started to reach out to Gonsa Docs out there and kind of get the ball rolling. And I started that beginning of March of 2020 and then COVID hit. Oh no. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So I think this is the universe telling me to just like sit my butt down and stay put. Plus I ran into just some icky issues with a couple of the docs I interviewed with once they found out that I was the Gonsta doc missing one hand, they wanted to use me for their advantage. They were very like, oh, we want to market that we've got the one-handed doc and blah, 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 blah. And it was kind of like, no, I'm, I'm Dr. Jenna first and foremost. Yes, I'm missing a hand. And yes, I do talk about missing a hand on social media. But like, that's my thing. Um, I'm not yeah. like a circus freak for you to put on display. So that was kind of a, a low, low point. I, I don't feel like I, I'm a doctor at this point. I feel like people are just yeah. using me as kind of like a, a circus freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then June, the following, yeah, the June after March of 2020 when COVID erupted, my mom also got diagnosed with rectal cancer. So again, it was kind of like, I think this is really the universe telling me to sit my butt down and take care mm-hmm. of what's at home. Um, yeah. My mom did, my mom did beat cancer a year later, but she was running our front desk at the time. So all of a sudden, my very, like, tech illiterate father who does not know how to use the credit card machine or anything at his office, um, I was now trying to manage the desk, see my few patients that I had, you know, started to accumulate. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to stay put. So I stayed put for about four years in total um, because soon after 
or probably like, yeah, soon after my mom got diagnosed, June um, of 2020 with her cancer, um, I had then decided, I'm like, okay, I keep trying to interview with docs. I keep running into the same situation where they just kind of want to use me for their own advantage. I'm going to open up my own practice. So I then started trying to figure out what does that entail? Mm -hmm. I mean, my, I don't know about other people's experiences through their chiropractic college, but when I was going through Northwestern, I felt like the business course was kind of a joke. I remember like either it must've been like T8 or T9. Our assignment was to make a brochure for a front desk. And I was like, yo, I want to know like, how do I, like, how do I, you know, get my hands on a business loan? What's an LLC? How do taxes work for a business? And I'm like, I making a brochure is not going to help me. This is a joke. Mm -hmm. So luckily we, my father and I walked across the street to our bank. I talked with the guy there and we talked about SBA loans. And then he's like, yeah, there's actually a really great SBA program in the town over. You should contact them. They will help you write a business plan. They will help you get, you know, figure out how to get funding. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. So for those that are kind of, you know, new to all of this, that are like, where do I start? Um, it might not hurt to walk over to your bank. It might not hurt to look on the SBA website and kind of see what resources you have to get yourself going. Because, yeah, without dad walking me across the bank, I would have had no idea. No idea whatsoever. And then from there, um, I was assigned a really wonderful, like, consultant, I would call her. She helped me write my business um, plan. She helped me with my two-year projections for the business loan. Um, it was amazing because I know I was not knowledgeable enough to do that on my own. And then she then set me up with Women Venture here in St. Paul that awards loans for women entrepreneurs. And from there, yeah, things just started to you know fall into place. But the only thing that took so long was those last two years of being with dad, it took me two years to find an actual physical business location for the clinic in St. Paul. Um, oh my God. Screwed things up. COVID really screwed things up. A lot of business owners, even though they weren't physically in their storefronts, had kept the business, I think, trying to assess kind of what would happen after COVID. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people were like, well, why, why don't you want to do a suburb? Or why don't, why do you, why are you so set on St. Paul? And I said, uh, dad and I had a random Gonsa doc come through Aiken one day and get adjusted. And she said, there are no Gonsa doctors in the heart of like Minneapolis or St. Paul. They're all on the outskirts. They're in the suburbs. And Minneapolis is fine, but St. Paul is just really cute architecturally. A lot of like brownstones and whatnot. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go to St. Paul. And it worked out perfect because at the time when I was with my father, um, I was just running into a lot of racial issues up in Aiken. Mm -hmm. Aiken's a very small um, town. It's 2,000 people. It's primarily Caucasian. And so mm -hmm. it's just kind of a sign that it's my time to go, time to go back to the cities where there's a lot of diversity. And since being back here, me being Asian is not an issue. So it's really <laughs> cool. It's very comforting to be back yeah. among, you know, a lot of different colors. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I, I didn't know it took you two years, but it makes sense since oh. COVID put yeah. a wrench in a lot of things. I thought going, being one of the COVID babies going through chiropractic school, oh. I was like, how am I even going to learn how to adjust anyone? <laughs> Luckily, thank God, like, my mentors, like, Dr. Josh Fowler, Dr. Tim Sullivan, Dr. Callie Fisher, like, they, like, they have their inter intern program down there, and so they, like, kept us sharp, but it was just, 
what am I going to do? <laughs> I can't, no, I can't imagine. Cause you know, that was one of the things like I was talking to you, I was talking to a few other students and then some other students that, you know, would randomly reach out and send me videos to assess and whatnot. And I, I was like, I don't know how you guys are doing this. I said, just, you know, power through. I know you're, you're going to be scared. I know you're going to feel like you're not going to be able to adjust at the end, but most of us do anyway. <laughs> COVID or not, it's scary. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually true. People think you're going to come out of Cairo school being able to move everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I remember my first patient at dance clinic. Like, I was so excited. You know, I'd been there for a week or two, and I finally had my own patient that wasn't, you know, not not to sound bad, like a hand-me-down, but, like, overflow for my dad. But I had my first, like, new patient for myself. Yeah. And I remember just being so excited. And I got in the room, and I took the history and then, you know, I, I scoped and was doing everything. And all of a sudden, I was just like deer in the headlights. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what am I doing? Do I know how we to do sure. this? Wait. What is this? I'm like, who let me be alone on un Unchaperoned. <laughs> 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 let me get uh, off the phone really quick. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, oh, all the time. The way that my dad's clinic is set up, like his front desk is in like the middle of the building. And then like, he has a hallway where he has two adjustment rooms. And then like, I was down the other hallway and constantly would be like, dad, dad. <laughs> because I'm, I'm not going to lie. Cervical chair is hard. To this day, there's still some cervical neck adjustments that I'm like, oh, what is happening? Like, I'm going through the steps. I'm like, you know, going, okay, this is the way that the bone stuck. So, I mean, you know, people can say what they want, but I'm like, I feel like the move is to be an associate with an amazing mentor. If you have the option and want to mm -hmm. for a year or two before you go out on your own, I kudos to the people that have started their own practices right out of school. I don't know how you do it. You guys are awesome. But I was like, I do not know enough to do that on my own plus try and run a business. So I'm so happy I was able to work with my dad. I think the main thing, because me associating before doing my own thing, I think the main thing that really helped me out was the fact that when you're under someone else's roof and under someone else's wing, like, you, I feel like, like, there's still this pressure, but it's more relaxed. Like, you can get more reps in before you have to go out and actually do it yourself by yourself mm -hmm. I think the extra reps of associating and then going out to do your own like for sure mm -hmm. help my adjusting get better because there'd be times where the other doc would go on vacation and then during that time I saw the whole volume of the office oh wow and then it was like oh I got my my adjusting got better within like that one week of just like putting in reps like made a huge difference mm -hmm. I also think like having someone else watch you adjust and then tell you what you need to change also was the big benefit because like when you're alone like and you only have a camera like you don't like the other person's not really seeing you yeah. and seeing how how you're holding yourself like your energy while you're trying to do the setup too because if you're just all tense and like not you yeah. already know like, okay first off like what you said like breathe <laughs> like if you can't even breathe oh. Like, yeah. you're not going to move a bone. <laughs> oh, my so. God. I mean, I am, like, I have so many, like, Gonsan Cairo students will send me videos of them, like, setting up, like, awesome T1 or, like, C7 seated cervicals. And I'm like, you guys are amazing. I'm like, I, I still struggle with lower seated cervicals to this day. 
There are mm-hmm. just some days that I'm like, I don't understand how my father can get the power through the thrust that he does. They um, don't even but, give a muscle. Like, it's like a, uh, and I'm out here oh. trying to go like, boom. And it's so hard too, because my father is like this five foot 11 Dutchman. I mean, he's got big hands. And I have like this small Asian hand and I'm just like, Ugh. It's like, like the mini hands. Like we, we like compared to <laughs> his, Dr. Paul's hand, we are the mini hand. <laughs> So I guess that's, you know, that's another thing, you know, to, you know, whether everyone, you know, or people shame me for this comment, but, you know, I, that's why I love the Gonset system because I do most of my lower cervicals on the knee chest table. Mm-hmm. One, because it's easier for me and, you know, two, I'm not hurting my back trying to like stretch and get tall and then angle really weird because I already yeah. have a short person stool behind my cervical chair. Um, <laughs> and there's some days that it's not enough because I have six foot seven guys that come in to see me and I'm just like <laughs> so I you know you I'm sure there I'm sure there's some gonsta docs out there that are like oh yeah but you should be proficient in seated cervicals too and it's like well for me and my body type it just works better on the knee chest table so I you know I hope for students too that are trying to learn everything and just you know realize I think that was you know part of the reason why said made you know as many or create as many tables and you know benches as he did um, it wasn't just for the benefit of the patient, but I think it's also for the benefit of the doctors so that they can have a prolonged career. No, for sure. Like I think about it, um, cause I was telling you a little earlier that while I was going to Cairo school and we were finally in our technique classes and one of the first was our pelvic technique class, like learning how to adjust sacrum, ilium, and then L5. And one of, I felt so awkward trying to do a diversified setup. Oh yeah. And and it's the push move and the way that they want our biomechanics to be. And I also I like also feel like it didn't help either because all the people who are teaching the diversified class, they were most of them were taller than me. They were men, so men like like most of my friends like that were guys like they would power through and mm-hmm. get as many cracks as possible but for me I was like this doesn't make any sense because why does my shoulder have to be way out there for us to make this adjustment when we're not even moving the bone a foot it's like a millimeter <laughs> and I just was having so much trouble they're like you have to drop you have to drop on the patient like you have to drop and I'm like mm-hmm. I drop in nowhere. (laughs) And so then finally, one of the guys, one of my, the professor, the doc, who like, I very much respect him. He's a great chiropractor. He's been in practice for years. He's been teaching for years. But the like, he was like, if you don't even know how to move a pelvis, like you're not going to be a great chiropractor. And in my head, I was like, what the heck, dude? (laughs) Like, You're really going to your students. And then I guess that's why, for me, at least, I got so gun-ho with Gonstead because I don't have to tear up my body. I don't have to tear up my shoulders. And I don't have to drop on anyone to make noise because it's all about the finesse and working with the biomechanics versus just like, let's just try and move this. And yeah, so. um, It's it's huge. You know, I I hate to say it, but I feel like lately I've either accumulated a lot of new patients from just having solid Google reviews. mm -hmm. Um. And or there is a clinic down the street from me who's been there for ages. I mean, I know of a few friends that like did their like T9 internships there or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I'm pretty sure they're a, diver a diversified clinic and it's not to shame diversified because um, I feel like there is good from each technique, but I think specifically those docs, because they, you know, do the same, you know, seven things like a flying seven doc um, and whatnot, send me as much business as I have because I've accumulated so many, especially female patients that are like, wow, this is so nice that you're not like body slamming me, like you're not hurting me, but yet I feel different when I get up. I feel better. Um, I feel less discomfort. Um, and I'm like, yeah. And I explained to most patients, I said, adjustments for the most part should never feel like you are in like a WWE match. It should never feel like someone's like jumping off the rail and like body slamming you because if they know the correct misalignment, if they know the correct direction it needs to go, it should not be a harsh, painful adjustment. Unless of course, let's say maybe you were just in a car accident and have had some, you know, severe trauma to the, you know, musculoskeletal, you know, system inside you. So um, I think, you know, the Gonsen system in itself just completely, you know, wins people over, um, over and over just for the fact that we are so specific, we are gentle. Um, mm -hmm. we're not just, you know, touching their spine for two seconds and saying, well, this feels weird. Bam. And then, you know, <laughs> trying to thrust a bone in that doesn't need to be thrust on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, yeah, I don't even know how to do a supine cervical anymore. <laughs> oh God. Like, I think I forgot how to do supine cervical when I got into student clinic because there's this one time mm -hmm. I tried to do an atlas adjustment and they're like, well, you can't, like, you're not getting it. I was like, yeah, I'm not getting it because I haven't done enough atlas Gonstead setups to, like, you uh -huh. know, full-blown, like, yeet it back. And they're like, you got to do a supine. And I'm like, I don't got to do nothing if I don't want to, but then... Yeah. Oh my god, I felt so invaded. I felt so bad for my friend too, because I was just like, Ugh. yeah. He's like, yeah. He he had his head head in my hands, and mm -hmm. I like contacted his atlas, and I was and like the guy, <laughs> the doc was like, yeah. just do it, okay, do it right there, do it. And yep. I was like, <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah, oh, I, I threw his spinal cord at the wall. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and okay, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I did have to do a supine cervical on a kid the other day. And the only mm -hmm. reason I did this was because the kid was super uneasy with me standing behind them. So it was more so, can we try it from laying down? I'm still going to mm -hmm. take it as P to A as possible without, you know, like rotating his neck off to the left. Yeah. Um, and th then we were able to get through it. And it was just one of those, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, you know, don't come for me. Some of the Gonset community, Gonset, but there's just times that it's like, you know, you need to get the adjustment done. And my biggest thing is with my clinic is I want my clinic to be open. I want it to be accepting and I am open to adapting because I've had to adapt my whole life. So if I get someone that comes in that is, you know, a victim of sexual assault or a little kid that's just super uneasy with someone strange standing behind them and we have to, you know, kind of do it out of the ordinary by like doing a supine cervical or, you know, like some of my sexual assault patients they don't want to be gowned they don't want to they want to have their comforting clothes on mm -hmm. that is okay i am yeah. okay with adapting with that well like we have to because we're a place of healing for people mm -hmm. and it's like yeah in the gonset work it says we need a gown but like you're really going to force someone to possibly flashback no. to trauma to like to have flashbacks from like their past trauma because yeah yeah and so but yeah even with kids like what you said like like when I like when I say supine cervical, I'm talking about like the rotary breaks, like yeah, but, but not just like you can 
like, yeah, we have to adapt. And like, if you have to put the kid supine and then do the Atlas that way, like Uh as long as you know, the direction it needs to go to, you're not rotary breaking their neck. You're not doing the nonsense that we see in conventional chiropractic from YouTube and TikTok. We're we're still getting the job done. We're still helping people heal their body. Yeah, exactly. I, I I feel especially with us younger docs too, we're more accepting of you know adaptions with it. And even I was talking to a friend and colleague of mine who just opened up here in the cities, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been reading this book. It focuses more on like scoliotic curvature and assessing it in more facets." Um, mm-hmm. The Gonset system, and he's like, "In some ways, I kind of feel like I'm cheating on the Gonset system." And I'm like, "But you're not." I said, you still assess the same way that you've always done it. You still adjust, you know, the same style, Gonstead, you know, uh, with the, the listings. And I said, I don't think it's a bad thing for us docs to read literature and whatnot outside of the Gonstead realm. You know, something. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Dr. Gonstead <laughs> didn't just develop the technique by saying, like, I'm Dr. Gonstead, like, this, this, and that. He literally yeah. like bits yep, and pieces so... from other, like, yeah. people. Yeah, so I'm like. When we have to adapt in clinic, I don't always think it's a bad thing. Um, and I, like I said to this colleague, I said to him, like, Dr. Gonsad passed, oh, I think my dad said soon, right around when he graduated, I think early, early 80s or late 70s that Dr. Gonsad passed away. Um, but mm-hmm. I said, you know, he passed away at a time. And then, you know, I think it is our duties to continue to explore, to advance. Um, I, you know, I don't think he would have wanted his research and his, you know, studies to just end. So um, yeah. I know there are some people that think I'm crazy because for a while there, I'd even refer some of my patients if I knew they were in cities to some of my old classmates that were non-Gonstead that were sports chiropractors, especially if you have a, you know, severe knee injury or whatnot. Yeah, I can adjust you all day. But if I know someone has a wonderful sports background and can develop this wonderful like plan with exercising and stretches and everything like heck yeah i'm gonna send you to them why wouldn't mm-hmm. I? i'm like okay well gonset is a system so as long as using the system of analysis x-ray motion palpation static palpation instrumentation case history mm-hmm. all of that and you're not just flying sevening their spine because like, i because my personal take is when people say they do Gonstead and it's, they're like, I know how to adjust Gonstead. I'm like, well, what does that even mean? And then they do both sides of the spine immediately. Oh. All the lumbars, all the thoracics. They're like, yeah, this is Gonstead, supine rotatory break, lateral breaking, like when they're seated too. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's not Gonstead. That's, you're just, that's nonsense. Like you, you didn't even analyze them. Well, like, I motion and static palpate. I was like, yeah, doing this? <laughs> like, what they're like, like going up and down, like patting their spine. Like, like that's not, that's not Gonset, dude. Like, and it's just, yeah, I think, but I agree. We need to continue doing more research to mm-hmm. expand the profession because, yeah, people just don't realize chiropractic is for overall general well-being and health oh yeah they immediately think that when something arises in their body like they have to go get an over-the-counter medication Mm -hmm. or cream or go to a doctor to get a shot or something but it's like there is a simpler and easier way (laughs) you just gotta give it time (laughs) (laughs) and when people say they do gonstead i'm just like okay well tell me what is gonstead (laughs) 
but with the adapting part for patients like we do have to adapt like because i'm like if someone has had trauma and they're not comfortable getting into gown like okay like let's baby step it because at mm-hmm. that point we're not just dealing with physical trauma we're also dealing with mental and emotional oh yeah um, oh yeah yeah one of my very i remember one of my very first um sexual assault patients uh i think was when i was up with a dad um mm-hmm. gown um and i we pretty much stayed like face to face like most of the appointment i did not i wasn't able to scope her because obviously i couldn't really be behind her but like i pretty much like was almost like face to face, but off to the side and like had my hand kind of wrapped around her to like assess the spine and like motion her the best that I could. And eventually yeah. we were, were able to graduate to like me being behind her and whatnot. But again, it was just like one of those things that it's like, I'm not going to force, force you to be gowned. I'm not going to force you to do anything. We're going to yeah. take everything at your pace. I scheduled out enough time that I knew that if it was going to take longer, we had that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's why when I, you know, you do run into those critics, I feel like online that are like, well, why isn't she down and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't know the full story here. Yeah, I think what's great about the Gonza system is the fact that it does allow the doctor to adapt. Because mm-hmm. there's so many components to the analysis that, let's say you have to put one aside for the time being until that patient is more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Like, still have the other components. And for us, I feel like that makes us better chameleons than most other chiropractors out there. And yeah. so, and it's, you know, it's so nice. I'm, you know, thinking of one of my regular patients that comes to see me weekly. Um, I, I put him on almost every bench in my room. There's just certain areas of his spine that do really well in the knee chest and then other areas on the high low and then, you know, side posture and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it, it is comical though, especially if they have gotten chiropractic in the past and they're only used to, like, one bench being in the room, they, like, walk in, and they're like, they're like, why does this look like a jungle gym? <laughs> this is the concept system. We have multiple benches for multiple yeah. purposes. But it is really comical to see their faces. And it's not a bad thing. Actually, a lot of them are, like, really, like, oh, this is so cool. And, like, now I feel, like, really special that I get to, like, hop around. Like, the other day, I hadn't even thought of it, but one of my patients, I guess I hadn't put her on the knee chest table yet. I, I must have just had her between like the high low and the pelvic bench. And she like walks up to the knee chest and she's like, I get to graduate to this table today. And I was like, what? Oh, that's so she sweet. was so excited. And I was like, oh, cool. And I'm like, yep, this is the knee chest table. And like, this is how it works. This is how you get on it and all this stuff. I'm like, this is why it's really beneficial for not just pregnant women, but other like patients too. And yeah, patients are just comical um it it just makes me laugh the kids that i take care of the knee chest table that Mm -hmm. is their seat as in on the headpiece they're just like they it's their ivory tower during (sighs) their parents adjustment and they stay there the whole time watching us and everything and then when it's like time like for dads i'm like okay get off (laughs) it's time to adjust your dad oh okay and then once the adjustment it's back onto the table i'm like Okay, like that's fine. Um, yeah, I I have a little two year old boy right now. He is so cute, and he'll come in, and he doesn't always get adjusted. But yeah, he'll walk right up to the knee chest table, and then like get on top of like the the face slot portion, yeah. and just lay down like spread that's eagle, walk over so it, cool. and he just like hangs out, and he's so happy. I mean, he's a good kid no matter what. But it's just like I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go adjust mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love when kids are so comfortable around us 
it's not like the pa- the parent has to tell them. They're just like, oh yeah, we're just we're here, we're tagging mm-hmm. along. Um, just do your mm-hmm. own thing, Doctor Lee, and like mom, dad. Yeah, and I was gonna say honestly, you know, for those that are maybe like you know fearful going into practice and like, how do I get the kids to come in? You know, once I get like you know mom or dad to come in, how do I get the kids to come in? Oh, I think point. it's a very natural thing. I either have patients that have been taking their kids to a chiropractor for, you know, a couple months to a couple years already. Um, or it's just a natural thing. You know, I see the mom or dad and then I see their partner. So let's, you know, like my, the newest couple that I have coming in, I saw him first and then she started coming in and they started bringing their one and a half year old in. And it was just a natural conversation. It was just one day I was like, Oh, how's your, how's your son doing? And I'm like, well, he's kind of had like an earache and he's kind of had this going on. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, why don't you just bring him in sometime? I'm like, I just want to assess him. It'd be free. I'm not going to like sign up for anything. I just want to kind of check him out and just kind of give you a second opinion. And then you yeah. guys can decide if you want him to be seen as a patient here. And honestly, that approach has been really cool because it's not forceful. It's not aggressive. Um, Cause there are a lot of parents that, you know, it's their kid, they're protective. And so it's yeah. like, they, they want to make sure that their kid is in good hands. Um, Cause it, you know, a lot of adults, a lot of parents think that the adjustments you give kids is going to be as aggressive as what they receive. And it's not. Mm-hmm. So, yes, well, for sure. And it's funny when we were talking about how like there's different tables for Gonset. So when I was looking for my own office space, my broker was so confused because he was like, yeah, you have four tables. I was like, yeah. He's like, OK, so. You can have like four rooms with one table in each one. I was like, no, 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 no. no. Ooh. Like, not like this is not like one table of like bougie doctor H. I know, right? I was like, wow, I would love to have four sets. Can you Im- can you imagine if you literally had one table in each room? You could be so fancy. You're gonna be like, and we're gonna go to the knee chest table room now. <laughs> no. Follow this way, please. He's like, wait, so it's a set? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, the, my clinic, my clinic has t- technically two treatment rooms. Right now, the back room is just extra storage. We live right above my clinic and it's a one bedroom apartment. But, you know, I've had the same kind of question too. Like, are you guys going to get a second set? And I, I'm kind of up in the air about it. Um, you know, I'm already, I feel like a little out of the ordinary because I don't have feeder rooms. So mm-hmm. I've had a few students that are setting up their own clinics be like, well, how does that work? And I'm like, well, right now being a one woman show, um, I block out like 15 minute appointments for returning patients. And that gives them plenty of time to go in the room, get changed. Let me see them, me step out, them get changed again and are out, you know, even in 10 minutes sometimes. So exactly. Yeah. Um, it's doable. Yeah, no, for sure. Cause I thought I was going to have feeder rooms either. And then it turned out to like, no, I need a feeder room. My goal is I want to see full families. So like I already see a handful of full families and it's already like, if you're checking the kid, you're checking the mom, you're checking the dad, that's already, let's say seven minutes per person because not only are they talking to you, but they also want to catch up. And I know there's yeah. some also saying like, why are you taking seven minutes per patient? It should be four minutes or three minutes. I'm like, it takes like a minute to two minutes for me to even scope their spine. If I like know them, if I know them, it takes yeah. me a good like minute to two minutes. Cause it's like, I just, I need to take my time. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, I, but yeah, I went, I went with the feeder room um, route. Cause I was like, Ooh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. If it's just like one room and then 
changing. I go in there, check them. I come out and they change. Because I didn't have feeder rooms at my associate trip. And so there are times there'd be a family in there. But there are some families that would take forever. And I'm just like, there's another family waiting. Please, like, please, <laughs> like, hurry. Just, like, take forever just to change? Yeah. Wow. There was one time I waited, like, five minutes for them to change. And it's literally just taking the shirt off and then put the gown on. Oh, my gosh. But it was also because like, there was a couple kids that would be rebunctious, rebunctious and not listen to mom and dad. And so, of course, yeah. like, mom and dad's disciplining them while, like, the door's closed and, like, this room. I think my, my like, favorite thing that I, I truly do not understand is most of my patients are so good. Like, especially during the first visit, I'm like, these are the small medium gowns. This is, like, large. This is, like, XX, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you can just take a gown that fits you, like, keep pants on, take bra on top off or, you know, whatnot. And then I'm like, and then the two bins, the two drawers underneath, you just pull them out and put the dirty gown in there. I find gowns all over my treatment room some days. And I'm like, I'm... <laughs> I was like, did I not just tell you to put it in like one of the bins? I don't always check it. I don't always check the room, you know, yeah. between patients. So then I'll have a patient that I'll come in and I'm like, why is there like gowns thrown everywhere? And they're like, it was like this when we came in. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. No, I have come to find you have to label everything. This is where you put the gowns, please. And some people would literally put them back into the cubby hole and I like I would have to smell it because I'm some women's or like, oh and look like cologne or like perfume and I'm like, what the heck? And Why so, do you like, sound like a teenager? I have to smell the t-shirt to know if it's clean or not. I guess people didn't tell you like when you become a chiropractor, you're also like kind of people's mothers to make sure like the room is clean. When I have little kids in and I find like random like my pencils and like my phone off the front desk random places, I'm like, ah, little kid being a little kid. Why yeah. disagree? I'm like, this bin over here. <laughs> the only bin in the room that already has dirty gowns in it. Please put your gown in there. Uh, the sometimes I'm like, come on, people. You got uh, this. The, the, the price we have to pay for having successful practices. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. I am no. excited, though. I'm finally making enough money to send my dirty gowns out and have them laundered. But just... that's amazing because, like, yeah, let's talk a little bit. The fact of, like, people don't talk about, like, when you open up, I feel like students immediately think like, oh, I'm going to have a full schedule. I'm going to have all this cash flow. No. no. Um, I've had a few classmates that I've heard horror stories. And again, I don't know their whole story of like what they all did to set up and what they did to market, you know, before the doors were officially open. But horror stories of like, yeah, I saw one patient my first two weeks being open and I'm like what I'm like you take out a sizable loan with sizable interest and you only see one patient in your first two weeks I'm like that's scary, that's scary. Um, I signed the lease for my space I want to say like mid-April of 2023 and then I officially opened it like a month later on May 18th because I was waiting for my x-ray machine um, but in mm. that meantime you know even that month out I had already started posting like on Facebook just because I have a bit of friends and family here in the Twin Cities and I just you know I posted on Facebook Instagram um, TikTok just trying to get the word out there visibility is huge and then probably two weeks out from when I officially opened up my doors is when I really started hitting it hard posting like incessantly post 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 and then also made sure to which is huge Google reviews 
You mm-hmm. can spend a lot of money on Facebook ads, Google ads, and the newspaper if there's one in your community. Um, but time and time again, when I ask my new patients, how did you find out about me? Oh, well, you had good Google reviews. And so I think it's really important, especially for us that are starting out. Yeah, we have that giant business loan, but it goes away quickly to try and take advantage of as many free marketing tools as possible. So I just made sure that I had, uh, you know, really good Google reviews. I made sure that the photos on Google Maps were good and like crystal clear of my office and then like treatment rooms because people like knowing what they're walking into. And I was just talking to one of my um, business neighbors the other day who's super into SEO. Um, and he's like, you know, once you get a Google review, make sure you like it, make sure you comment back on it because that will just help increase your SEO like nobody's business. So little okay. things like that are super helpful. Okay. Yeah, I know I, that. I think May 18th was like a Thursday. I probably saw four new patients those first two days I was open of that week because that wasn't, you know, like a full week. And like the next week, I think I saw like three or four new patients right off the bat. So... Yeah, you've got to start marketing ahead of time. Do not expect the day that you open your doors for people to start flocking because they don't know. The other great thing that I did too is I am fortunate enough that I'm in a neighborhood where I have a dentist on one side of me, a tutoring center for kids on the other side of me, slash it's a cafe as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of foot traffic and then there is a elementary school literally right across the street from me. But I designed on Canva, and Canva is free, a giant poster with my logo on it saying opening like May 2023 website, phone number, social media handles. And I put that in my freaking front window. And that was huge because I put that up like two or three weeks ahead of time. People saw that. I got calls. I even had a few patients that came in like a month or two after I opened that said, yeah, I saw your poster. Decided to finally what? Come in. No, yeah. I didn't even think about doing that. And that I'm poster cost me like a whole $36 at FedEx. So again, a really inexpensive way to just market, hey, I'm coming in, I'm here, check out the website, start reading up on me, little things like that. No way. Okay, that's really good advice. I'm going to use that because right now we're waiting on the permits to do the build out mm-hmm. and then we're going to do the build out and then hopefully I want to be open at the latest at the end of March. Okay. We'll see though. <laughs> it's taken six months for me to sign a freaking lease. So uh, two years, I feel that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, people don't talk about how it's actually time consuming because one, you're the only person that's on your side during this process is your broker. Cause there's there's um waiting time for people to mm-hmm. reply back to each other. And then also you have to think about other people that may swoop in to get your space that you want which yep. that almost happened to me, which I was like, no. <laughs> and so it was just, yeah. No, but yeah. like, like when people open, I, f- like, I definitely, the rude awakening, not rude, awa- I don't want to say rude awakening, but it's like, if you don't market, you're not gonna have that, have like the handful of new patients you need that first week to like kick yourself mm-hmm. off the ground, especially if you're starting from scratch. And then, one, we have our student loans. Two, if you took out a business loan, you have that business loan that you need yep. to pay off. And then, yeah, other expenses like living expenses of yeah, yeah. So it's it yeah. You you've got to you know get the ball rolling immediately. Um, and you know picking a space that has good foot traffic and visibility is huge. I've heard of a lot of my former classmates 
that flopped because they decided to be in like a high rise in downtown, whatever city that they were in, you know, no. and not get that visibility or, you know, they were in a, you know, multi-room office where they like rented out a room, but then they didn't have this, you know, didn't have good signage and like visibility from the street or whatnot. So most people didn't realize that they were in that, you know, space. So, um, as much as it sucks, as much as you want to get the ball rolling, you know, sometimes waiting is good. I had looked at two other spaces prior to the space that I'm in currently. First one fell through just because the landlord was trying to pull a fast one on me. Second one fell through because they wanted me to pay for $116,000 in build out just to put up four walls, two doors and some HVAC. And I was like, my business loan is like 80 or 80,000. I'm like, I am not taking out more just to do build out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so space, I was super excited because it was already built out. It was an Edward Jones office originally. So it already had essentially like treatment rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to do very minimal build out besides letting the walls and the one, like it was kind of like a closet essentially for my extra room. So sometimes waiting is good. I, I get it. I was super squirrely, you know, for those two years trying to find a space. Um, I think my parents were kind of getting sick of me being around all the time because I lived with them in their basement. Cause I was like, well, I'm moving back home. I'm only going to be here for two years. I'm not going to go rent an apartment or buy a house or anything. Um, that just seems silly. And I can just pay off that much more student debt at the time. Well, then I ended up living with them for like four years. So I think we were all a little squirrely. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely getting squirrely. I'm like, I need the space right now. And I, I feel like I've, I've, I've paid my dues of waiting for it, but, um, we're getting there. We're getting there, but no, we definitely need to do this again and talk about like the start of business. Yes. 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 Yeah. That'd be really good. Um, I like what we talked about earlier, a really good message of, even though things are hard, even though you have to jump through so many hoops, mm -hmm. like you are able to adapt and there are ways mm -hmm. to adapt. And then even in practice, adapting for your patients. Because even though people say chiropractic school didn't prepare them for actual true practice, there are emotional things that I feel like it makes you emotionally stronger. So then you can, like, for me, I'm like, if I got through chiropractic school, I can get through anything. <laughs> and so, and if I can get through opening up a business, I can get through anything. If I can get through... <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? So, oh, oh. oh, I do. We are resilient. Chiropractors, chiropractic students, and chiropractors are very resilient people. And I think, again, like you said, because of you know our schooling, um, because of how we approach the body, no matter what technique you practice, mm -hmm. um, we're resourceful. You have yeah. to be. Yeah, you have to be. Or it's like the opportunity to be able to help people gets taken away which is mm -hmm. really scary to think about. But yeah, no, we definitely have to do another one and it has yes. to be a business startup. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. You can hear my woes. <laughs> I'm telling you, too. for the podcast listeners, I told Dr. HJ we need to do an after hours version of this where we have cocktails. Maybe that will be like the after hours portion. Oh my because God. I'm a little scared. Oh, they have a business. Maybe, maybe we could do the after hours after a year of doing a normal. <laughs> Jenna, we can't scare the viewers away immediately, okay? Oh. 
Jenna, you know how some of our conversations go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great. <laughs> like meeting of the minds. It's our own mini meeting of the minds. I don't know what I'd do without you. Unfiltered. <laughs> We're not the only one. Oh my gosh. Thank you all for tuning in to this chiropractic coffee. We appreciate you all for listening in. Dr. Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely, you are truly inspirational. I love you so much. My chiropractic soul sister, my Asian sister. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, thank you all for listening again. And we will see you all again soon. Okay, bye guys.